0: There's a fine, thin line between using the laws of the game to your advantage and being a prick. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. (laughs) That's Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 44 with Alexander Moneypenny and the armchair Allardyce, Bradley Adams. (laughs) These are getting more and more creative, I love it. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm alright. I had a series of very strange dreams last night. There was one point where um, Sheridan Smith, uh, TV actress, saved me with an AK-47. So I uh, I'm having a <laughs> bit of a <laughs> bit of a strange morning. She appeared from a, like a circus tent with just <laughs> and, the, and the AK47 came out and then Sheridan did. Um and she she I had some captors or something and, oh, and then they ran sake. away. So there you go. Um so yeah, but apart from that. Big up Sheridan. Big up Sheridan. Cheers, man. Uh but apart from that I'm good. I'm good. How are you in life other than Yeah, no, no, no. I'm really good, thanks, mate. Um, I feel like sometimes when you ask how are you these days it's like yeah, yeah, I'm fine no no how are you oh i'm absolutely terrible yeah <laughs> yeah no
1: it's um i think that's just life at the moment isn't it you know back into the third lockdown and yeah. just been extended and all of these things but i think it's important to obviously you know as as a kind of message to the listeners if you are not good reach out to people and talk about it
0: for sure for you know sure. also it, on that note know, I do just want to say it's not the same thing <laughs> equated it it's not the same thing on a on a somber note um I think we've all seen um the the kind of vile racist abuse that people like Axel Zabi, that Marcus Rashfords received I think I think there was a, another few players on the, on the on the receiving end fairly recently this problem isn't going away and I was thinking about this this morning and listen we have a small community here but it's growing. Um, we've got, you know, we're adding bloggers. We'll talk about that in a minute. And the different Noki's is growing. And it's, it's a great thing. And I think it would be remiss of us not to, to use our platform for good. Um, and if, yeah, I just wanted to encourage anyone listening. If you see any abuse on social media, please report it. Because I've been, I've been guilty in the past of seeing it and just moving on and thinking, oh, what a dick. And, you know, ignoring it. Yeah. This problem isn't going away. And it's absolutely disgusting for, you know, no one deserves it. But for a man like Marcus Rashford to get racist abuse is, it's, it's un... Over a game of football. Over a game of football. The
1: good, the, and you know, like, a classy thing that I thought from Arsenal was dead. Like, I, I don't know if any other club has been doing it, but dedicating the match programme to him, to write, the man is a fucking national treasure. Yeah. Listen. For everything he's it, done for feeding underprivileged people.
0: Listen, and and it's, it's not to say that because he's done that, oh, therefore he's, you know he even less deserves racist abuse. No one deserves racist abuse. No, I appreciate it's very easy for two white guys to sit here and say all this stuff. But I do think, you know, however big our platform, whatever, I want to encourage people to just report it whenever you can, because I've seen so much of it this week and I've seen, you know, you, you log on and there's a, something retweeted or, you know, you, you click on the trending and you see the tweets and, Mm. we all have to take more responsibility i think because like it, it's not going away and it's disgusting and i and i had to think about this and i thought i've got to say something um i know finally i've waited in <laughs> everyone's been waiting but you know it's it, it is important as, to do whatever you can i think yeah 100% yeah um anyway yes i don't want to say something sort of flippant to <laughs> to, to 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 go out of that that's really important separately from that um just want to announce uh, a really fantastic bit of news uh, Aaron Catterson-Reed has joined us who is at Read the Game he'll be doing a weekly blog every Tuesday on the different um his writing's fantastic he's, be- he's been um he's been writing for Arsenal.com um he did a piece for Martin Erdegaard for us last week for the Different Knock um he's a great guy as well um also yeah, mis- he's incredible apparently, apparently Mr. Reed listens to us so shout out Mr. Reed uh, oh, <laughs> hello Mr. Reed. Hello, Mr. Reed. Um so yes, uh do check that out every Tuesday. Yeah. And that will be that. Like the work like the work
1: is incredible. So please support, give it, get share all you can, all of like the writings and
0: everything, because yeah, it's fucking sick. Uh all right, let's jump into the game. Let's jump into the game. That was so I oh, was <laughs> okay Arsenal drew nil-nil with Manchester United at the Emirates uh in the Premier League last night. Um a good game, I think, for a nil-nil, you know. A, a good a, game for a nil-nil. Yeah, a, a solid end-to-end game, I, I, really engrossing. Um, I, Arsenal have kept four consecutive home clean sheets in all competitions for the first time since April 2019. Um, we do quite well against United. Yeah, in the last six uh, league meetings, we've won three, drawn three, so... Yeah, we, I was sort of looking at the stats before the game. I like we always just start with like, yeah, this stat. Um, but you know, it is interesting to note. I think Arteta has either is either won both his games as manager or I don't know. You know, it's, he, he does quite well against United. Um, and I thought the lineup um, just to come to that, we kind of listen. I, th- I think we we did the best with what we with where we are. We're missing Tierney, Saka and Aubameyang. Yeah, I I was I was quite happy. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I think it, it is that situation of
1: if we had those three players available. You obviously for selection you obviously want them in, but in that kind of situation I think it's the best lineup we could have hoped for. Um, you know, we've got no left-back cover, really. Like so I think Suarez has done a decent job out there. Especially, you know, with like <laughs> the irony of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer telling Rashford that Suarez can't defend and then he's kept that left-hand side locked up for like 70 minutes with a yellow card like
0: so I wasn't sure I saw that it was someone I I can't remember who who it was might be Miguel Delaney um put on Twitter that uh, supposedly he heard Solskjaer talking to Rashford and saying but he wasn't sure if it was Cedric or Martinelli because he could have been referring to either um but regardless both of them, you know, I thought Martinelli, I know he came off at halftime and I actually think he kind of slowed us down a little bit in terms of breaking their press. I'm going to the ball away quite a lot. But listen, you know, Cedric has barely played there. Martinelli is uh, developing, coming, still coming back as well. Yeah, he has some fantastic attributes, but he needs to round his game off. Um, you know, Beller and Pepe widely criticised, but I felt we did really well overall. Um, considering the three players that we haven't got, also this, the kind of the psychological uh, component of it, I thought was really interesting because if you if you look back, let's say five six years, if we were without, I don't know if this wasn't five six years ago. Let's say a little bit further than that, if we were without like Van Persie, or we were without Fabregas, or we were without um, moving forward, if we were without or... a, without Alexis or Kachalny. I always had a feeling heading into games, and I, and I still do a bit as a fan that the players were very very aware of that and very kind of not using it as a scapegoat. I don't think that's fair, but but kind of aware of it and and the gaps showed very 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 well. But last night I thought and it's continuing a run of something that I think when players are out, we miss their qualities, we miss their kind of um, the structure they bring and the kind of the 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 fluidity they bring, especially in the attack. If you're missing, you know, the players like Tierney, Saka and Aubameyang, but what I feel we now have is so much more kind of uh, solidity in terms of the team. The team presses one. The team try and beat the presses one. There is a clear structure of how to get out from the back. There's a clear structure of how we're trying to attack. Something we've roundly criticised Arteta for many, many times is how rigid our attack has, has been and how kind of predictable our attack has been. And I think the defensive structure has always been there, but it's always felt like we've gone one way or the other. We've either either completely let the defensive structure go... At the moment, I think we found a nice balance, and it doesn't really matter about the personnel. The personnel now feel like a bonus. We feel like we're there's an there, there there is an identity coming. I saw
1: somebody make a comment last night that I thought was very apt on the match and both teams. That I think if we have you know Tierney in the squad and Saka in the squad, say you take out Pepe and you take out Suarez and you put Tierney and Saka in, I think we we walk over United last night. I don't think they were particularly good but I think the thing that is the difference between the two sides is Arsenal currently are well coached team lacking in some areas when it comes to personnel and United are a team full of individual talent and I think that is probably what created the stalemate last night is that you know two of our I would say probably are two of like our most important players In Tierney and Saka being out last night really hurt us and you know it is a and it says something about how far we've come that I'm very disappointed that we drew against United though I do think a draw is a fair result based on the opportunities created by both sides for sure but
0: I think what's exciting is the coaching feels so much more strong so it doesn't really matter you know we're still seeing the defensive fragilities uh, strange got man of the match because i thought Luiz at times was was poor last night but he did, he had an okay game um and i can understand why if you watched him in spurts um but you know you can still see the you know the fragilities of louise and jacker and you can still see okay you know there's limitations to Bellerin's game and, and all these sorts of things and and that's not to negate those but as you just said the coaching that's the exciting bit and i think something that we we really did well last night was being compact defensively I thought we were fantastic I thought we were really solid we there was always you know and we defended as a team Lacazette you know working hard Pepe working hard Martinelli there's a brilliant moment where he gets back and heads a ball out from Rashford's underneath Rashford's feet the whole team are working for each other and that's that's exciting and not to bring it back to a kind of culture conversation, but it is interesting also to put this into a context of the kind of, okay, if Gwendouze is in that park, if Ozil's, in, if Ozil's playing yesterday, do we have that structure? And if one player or two players in a team aren't, maybe Martinelli thinks, well, if they're not, I'm not getting back, and Rashford scores that. So I think the culture does help, and, and that's a really yeah. kind of potentially specious thing to say, but... The the point is, I think yeah, structurally we were so much better. And and on and on Saka, I thought actually when we did get out from the back, cause I think United did well with their high press. When we did get out from the back, we had these really really tight spaces to work in, which Smith Rowe kind of kind of um, benefits from and does well in. Pepe and Martin are less so. If we did have Saka in there, one more player who thrives in the spaces, and potentially Erdegaard if he was you know a couple if he'd been brought in a couple of weeks ago we 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 would maybe be looking at a result here so yeah i thought it was really really encouraging yeah 100% agree for sure um so we started off the game uh, i thought those that i i did think that four of i don't watch united enough so i don't really understand why they put pogba out on the left but that four of rashford fernandez pogba and cavani sort of setting up against our four um i thought would cause us more problems I, I do want to highlight Fernandez. Cavani had a poor game. Yeah, so did Fernandez. Fernandez wasn't particularly well, special. Well, I do want to f- highlight Fernandez. Um, I I don't want to be hypocritical because there's a there's a definite, and I was in during the game, and I've I've tried to temper my my opinion because I was raging at Fernandez during the game. Listen, there's a there's a fine fine thin line between. Sp- Being, uh, using the laws of the game to your advantage and being a prick. (laughs) And uh, I think Fernandez falls on the latter side. There's a a tackle on Xhaka. Xhaka stands up to him for diving. I think he dived to get Cedric booked. Um, Then Fernandez Rakes his studs down the back. Goes after him. Xhaka's Achilles. Doesn't he? Gets a a warning, not even a yellow... He fo- what he does though is he constantly upflows uh, um upsets the flow of the game. Just constantly falling over and looking and running into people and falling over and looking looking for the ref and going ref ref ref. Stop he's a very talented football player. Stop playing for the ref. It pisses me off. And th- the reason I think I can say this is because I don't think there's a player in our team who looks to the ref as much. They might try and win a couple of cheeky fouls. I think that happens. I think that happens in all football. But Fernandez constantly appealing to the ref just winds me up. Yeah,
1: I don't think Fernand I, I think Fernandez is a, a good player. Um but if you take away these the pet, and I mean, you can say that about a lot of people. But you take away the penalties. You know, one thing that I think that has harmed Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, reputation in the last few years in Italy is the amount of penalties he scored versus open play goals. Um, but I think that it's you know uh, it was a while ago that I told you that it was something. If you took away Fernandez's penalties, he's got he's got, he's he's had like something a ridiculous amount of penalties that that stat pad those goals and assist numbers and look he's always willing to try things like these random Hollywood passes that will come off maybe like a third of the time and that's great but the big part of his game is this what I would say is faux gamesmanship in like it's gamesmanship to do what Tierney did with Reese James to get the contact feel the contact go down it's not gamesmanship and again to kind of bring up because I think it's a, a very poignant thing that happened—the whole um, Harry Kane thing, when he tries to do his signature move to Jordan Henderson and Jordan Henderson rolls away from him and Kane injures himself. And you think you know? Karma's never looked so beautiful. I'd never yeah. wish an injury on anyone, but
0: no. But if you do that the, over and over again, if you
1: do that over and over again to the point where if somebody has one wrong landing, um, they could they could snap the neck. You know, if they land the wrong way when they're jumping from that height at that speed on the top of their neck, a career could be over. So hopefully this teaches Kane the lesson to stop fucking doing that shit. And I also think that there's a moment from Lacazette that, again, I don't want to be called a hypocrite. Yeah. Is, is, is exactly. I'm not happy with. Lacazette I'm not it. happy with. It should with. be a yellow immediately. Absolutely. But um, Fernandez is just, it is that kind of level up where... He is fouling people, and it's like he got a penalty against Aston Villa for fouling somebody and then going down. Um And there's just loads of moments like this that I just think that look, Bruno Fernandez is a is a good player. Like he's not bad, but if you take away all of this theatrics and take away, and on half of these penalties that they're winning are from these
0: theatrics. You know. Yeah, I just, I just, I just think, and I, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but. There's kids watching, like, and they'll just con and they'll see it, and they'll think of that. And, and- I thought the refing was poor as well because they got away with some ridiculously
1: cynical challenges last night. Yeah, the- and like that, like that Fernandez tackle on the back of Xhaka. He's gone in, studs up on the back of somebody's Achilles. That's dangerous foul play.
0: Like, listen, if he was our player, we'd be happy. Whatever, I'm not. I'm, I get that, but what I'm saying is. You have to start looking at those incidents because I think it was checked by VAR. He wasn't even attempting to play the ball. That should be a yellow and a final warning. No, and and then he and then the thing is, this, you uh, could you could make the argument that it's a red. Yeah, you could but, because it is dangerous. But foul you could. Play. But what I'm saying is, you know, Fernandez. Yeah. Okay. Sure. He falls over. Whatever. Fine. That he's using the rules to his advantage. But when he does objectively foul someone we have to start punishing him because then he'll stop yeah he'll stop constantly appealing to the ref and constantly he'll just play the game pisses me off anyway I don't want to make this the Bruno Fernandes podcast
1: no 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 but there's I think there's just one comparison to make because we we spoke about this after, after the Champions League final and I said the same thing when Neymar was throwing himself to the floor the whole way through that Champions League final it wasn't getting his team anywhere and then they lost they lost the final so it it's the same kind of thing that it wasn't working yeah. last night. Yeah, especially especially so
0: you know with the free free kicks. Do something I thought, else. I thought holding was fantastic. I think he I think he almost got away every every corner and free kick. Like it was clear that we were sort of man marking. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be some kind of stat. Rob Holding was was probably
1: one of my choices for man of the match last night but st- his game by numbers right 100% of aerial duels won 64 touches 51 pass- passes 10 clearances which was the most eight long balls seven headed clearances uh six total duels contested six recoveries four duels won two tackles made zero times dribble pass yeah. like
0: i think he's f- also he's adding to his game and he played a long ball that nearly got someone in it might have been Lacazette or something um, I think he's adding that to his game as well now and, and Holdings, Holdings coming on so much he might be one of my 90 percenters um, I, I, to be fair and I think that's that's why it's a good thing that we kept David Luiz for this season
1: because t- for him to almost pass down s- some of the only positives that David Luiz yeah. has in his game yeah. For sure. Two-holding would be a very good For thing. Sure.
0: For sure. Um, I thought we were committing players forward really smartly in our press. Um, there's a clear, and I've talked about this before, but I think you can really see it in this game, a clear system of one player pressing at a time, smartly pressing, smartly covering the spaces, smartly um, covering the passing lanes. I think that's also something that we've looked in uh, at from Erdegaard. I thought Erdegaard, I know we're sort of jumping to the second half now, but when he came on, he was really, he didn't have much to do, but who's really smartly covering the passing lanes we're signing players for a system and our press while not looking exciting, like a Gergen press or like a, you know, a kind of a, you know, we stopped. I, I think what we did is we stopped United doing their party trick. We won the ball high up the field. And we also, <coughs> <coughs> Jesus, I haven't got Rona, do I? Um, we, we stopped United doing their party trick. We, you know, we were winning the ball high up the field. We would, it was one player would go, the others would c- cover the passing lanes. We were forcing them into errors. It was really, really good. I thought Cedric, especially, um, and uh, sort of Cedric and, um, uh, who would it have been? Martinelli and Bellerin and Pepe were doubling up nicely. Cedric always makes himself available. Um, he's doing really, way, uh, doing really well. Uh, I love that he, <laughs> when he got the yellow, he was like running away, <laughs> pretending that he wouldn't get it. It was funny. Um, there was a moment where Lacazette had a shot three on two which i thought was disappointing um but to be honest the next thing i want to just to slightly touch on is party i thought party was a little bit poor yesterday one of the first games i've not best i've game. seen him caught out in possession two or three times and maybe it's a fitness thing i don't know but um he was driving forward well and he did have some great moments and to be honest even at, even with that performance he's one of our best midfielders but I did think it's important to mention, as much as we absolutely cream our pants over him, sometimes it's important to to pull it back when he's. Um, it's yeah. the objectivity thing, isn't it? Like talking about it's it's the same as you
1: know when we talk about certain things that other teams do, criticizing Lacazette for doing the same. You know, we'll praise him when he's good, and we'll say, do you know what? And even he said it. You know, he can, I I have massive respect for a player that comes out on social media afterwards and goes, "Not my yeah. best ninety minutes
0: of football." But and the fans will support you. We moved. The Fans will support you. Yeah. I also I was also really impressed by how adaptable we were. We were at one point we were getting it long. It was clear that Maguire had Lacazette's number in terms of aerial duels, so he started playing a bit more, um, sort of through the midfield and through the sides. And you know, I, I just I just thought it was a, it was a it was a smart performance. It was a football footballistically intelligent performance. Um. There wasn't loads of incidents, especially during that first half. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought the only thing I thought was that Saka would be absolutely lighting the game up, to be honest. I also really enjoyed uh, Louise celebrating blocking Fernandez's free kick. <laughs> oh, I loved it. That moment. Yeah. That moment was fucking brilliant. One thing I want to pick out before we head to the second half we look a bit small compared to United. And I wondered whether it was just that. That team yesterday, but then I realised that Saka's, you know, five foot, not a lot, and uh, Abamyang's. I think he's six foot, but you know, he's not an absolute tower. And I looked at like McTominay. I, I'm, by the way, I'm glad McTominay went off because he's really good at beating the press, and and um, uh, they they committed more men forward when he when he went off. But yeah, I I wonder how you feel about that. Like, do we need to bulk up in terms of height? In terms of players, like I, I wouldn't mind, for example, a big, tall presence in the midfield alongside Party, but then equally it depends what we need. I don't know. It just I, I'm just concerned that we end up being quite a small. I think team. it depends. Yeah, it just
1: depends on what position you're talking about because I think uh, I think Saliba's six three. So if he comes back in, holding isn't small. Then you've got Gabriel, who's kind of six two. I think you know, depending on who we add in at right back or left back. Um, you know there's talk of like you say van arnhol on loan i don't know how tall he is for six months um uh, it is a worry and it's i think it also comes from a sense of stature as well in like we had the we had the weird moment where we realized that Balogun is the same size as eddie yeah but it's the stature of the person that is like really important so i do think we need to add a little bit of height in the center of the park like, when, I think when we uh, kind of, I think th- this transfer window coming up in the summer is going to be kind of the rebuild of that midfield uh, in getting a partner for party. And I would like somebody like, I think Basuma, how tall is Basuma? Let's give it a Google. Because even if he, Basuma, he's five foot 11. Okay. But he feels taller. It's that same kind of thing. of he's got a lot of stature, <laughs> he's a tall. Do you know what I mean? Do you know? No, I know. do you know what I mean by but that? Like he's filled yeah, out yeah, in the yeah, right yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. And um, I wouldn't mind adding. And when we, depending on obviously what we do in the summer, massively depends on what we do with Lacazette. If we sell him, get another striker in. If we do get another striker in, I want somebody who is six one, six two. Calvert Lewin, you want someone with everything physicality? Yeah. yeah. So that again, it's it's for me. It's more from set pieces because I think our, at the end of the day, if our two central midfielders have got a decent amount of kind of fill in them, even if they are between like five ten and six one, then that's fine. But it's more from set pieces. We don't want to keep having to stick Bellerin on nine foot nine Yerry Mina. Yeah, things like that. It's,
0: I just noticed there was one point where they had like, I think it's like McTominay, Pogba and, the, you know, these tall, big guys. And, you know, that's not the end of the world. And I also think, you know, since Arteta's come in, he's brought in Party, who's I think he's about six foot or six one. Gabriel, six twos. You know, I know Saliba's um, was brought in before him, but, you know, he's Saliba's six four, I think. Mar- Mari's quite tall as well. I think he's over six foot. Certainly he's obviously bringing in presents and I, and i and i really appreciate that but i just think it's it was notable against united um and i just i just think it's uh, something that we should keep an eye on um just because it does it does matter especially you know set pieces and, and it's important not to compromise tech te- you know technicality for um for height but if you can get both it's it's really useful because um, i think it's 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 certainly important especially when you know we've got Smith Rowe, Saka, t who will be hopefully mainstays in our team for a long period of time, who aren't that big. So, you know, it's uh, it's important. And Martinelli as well, yeah. who's not, you know, just, you know, it's, it's, it's an important mixture
1: of having height in
0: the right places and then exactly.
1: being able to kind of use that in set-piece height, height in the spine,
0: height in the spine. I also, just before we move on to the second half, I do want to note, yes, Leno made a good save. It was from Fred. It was a very oh, good save. Brilliant. I will say it was a world-class save. It wasn't a top-class save, but he is not world-class. Um, so, second half... Um, oh, you're right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, second half... Um, I will be honest. I was annoyed about the William thing. I won't read out what I've put down in my notes here about William, Uh because it's probably not nice. Uh, well, it isn't nice, let's say that. Um, but I think, actually... <laughs> But I think actually, it, it, oh, it's a little unfair. Willian did okay, and we started the second half very well. Well, I'm, I'll say this: he wasn't terrible. But I think he he added a certain. I think Martinelli when we were when we were trying to break their press, Martinelli gave the ball away quite a bit. He wasn't making himself available in the right spaces, and Willian has very little about him in the final third at the moment. He's very negative. He brings us backwards a lot, but. I did think he he's a tidy player and he does lose the ball, but he was offering us more than Martinelli.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I, it was a five out of, it was like a six out of 10 performance. Like it wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. But there, it, I, th- and I think the thing that will like mar the performance
0: is that miss. Yes. So the ball comes, I think it's a, a shot from Bellerin it kind of just kind of makes its way over to him He has a kind of a stuttery, gets it out of his feet, a bit of a weak shot. It's blocked by Maguire. It's quite a good block in fairness, but I think De Gea might have saved it anyway because I think he's in quite a good position. It's just that killer instinct that Willian doesn't have. Um, And maybe if he would played in every single game and maybe if he wasn't being absolutely hounded by every single football fan alive, uh, maybe he, he buries that. But I just, you know... You wonder, okay, well, if Martinelli was in that position, what happens? But he he did okay. I think you know this isn't the game to 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 kill Willian over. He he did quite well. Um, and actually, in the and that in that sort of opening period of the second half, as we normally do, we were looking great. We were stopping them doing what they do best in terms of counter attacking. Uh, Lacazette hit the bar from the free kick. Smith had that shot.
1: Oh, Pepe
0: had a, a shot well blocked. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think Pepe seems up for it at the moment. You know, seems like he's got a bit of a fire under him, which is great. Uh, that Lacazette free kick is, it's beaten De Gea, all ends up. And literally like, if it strikes the bar two inches lower, it goes in off the bar and, uh, but, But like I said earlier, I do think it was a fair result. You, you know, that Cavani chance that he missed. And then you're talking about kind of, the the at hitting the bar the, the I think if either team had lost one 0 they would have had the right to feel slightly aggrieved to not at least pick up a point but you could have seen a team snatching it
0: <clears throat> Mate, I'm just gonna get some water I'm so I'm back I've just got some water uh, I was sounding like well you know uh, Burnley um he's been there so long Jean Dutch
1: yeah. I I feel really bad for him because I don't think he's ever really spent any friggin' money.
0: And he only eats gravel, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. well, 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 yes, I I just think, as all things are in football, there's a very, there was a very thin line. Say that Cavani goal goes in, the narrative changes. Oh, our United title challenges again, and are Arsenal slipping back down the table and a worrying result for Arsenal, considering they've been on a run. And, oh yeah, and Roy Keane sits there and goes, yeah, you know, you know, you know you've not done anything yet, and... You know, Jamie Carragher's going, yeah, but you're not know, right. And then if we, we win, there's a whole thing about, well, could Arsenal possibly challenge for the, the title? You know, it's not un, unachievable. The top four, United they're, are, they're you know, back in listen, with it. It's one game. United are in free fall. Exactly. It's one game. The the performance then becomes really important to me. So I go, okay, yeah. this was a really, really solid, solid performance from us. And something that I haven't seen us do in many big games over the last five, ten years is control the game come out with a clear game plan, be able to and execute it, and and even without three of our best players. I thought the communication also was excellent. Rob Holding was shouting and leading really really well. Um, I think beforehand players have let those games kind of pass them by a little bit. Um, and to be honest, I, I think Solskjaer came out after the game and said, oh, oh, I thought we should have won it. And I know both teams will think they should have won it. But to be honest, on balance, I think we should have. I, I think we had the better chances. We hit the bar, Smith Rowe. You know, if he just takes it, if it just goes an inch to to his to his to De Gea's left, it goes in. Pepe, the Willian Willie I I think, I think
1: both teams take this, though. I think, you know, you're looking at United who have just lost to Sheffield United, who aren't going to want like a misery compiler of then losing to Arsenal as well. And you're looking at Arsenal who, while they have been on a good run, we haven't been particularly tested on said run. You know, Southampton was was a test, but then, you know, coming up against one of the top four who... points this season have been talked about as title challengers is a test above that in itself. So I think if you're both clubs will take this as a positive result, United don't have to have two defeats on the bounce and Arsenal don't lose that kind of unbeaten run of the last kind of six or so games in the league. So while I'm disappointed that, you know, a few of those chances didn't go in. I'm also not disappointed because the Cavani chance didn't go in. So it it does just become that kind of coin toss of we could have won the game, but we also could have really easily lost it. You know, that shot needs to be four inches to the left, to the right, sorry for the Cavani chance. And it clips the post and goes in. So it's fine, fine, fine margins when it comes to this game. And I think it is a, it's a positive one to take forward especially seeing as we were missing so many of our key players.
0: Definitely. Just want to highlight on the game, um, just the last couple of bits, I think Xhaka and Party as that midfield too. Xhaka with, uh, I think, the best yeah, the best uh, pass accuracy in the game at 96.6. That's really solid for a game where you're getting pressed so much. Um, you know, I think they're, they're developing a real understanding. Something I noticed is almost like a seesaw thing, where party can go and jacka will drop and jacka will go and party will drop there's a real kind of understanding developing between the two of them i think they're really well suited i think they i think Jaka provides that kind of uh, progressive ball from the left foot that that party I think party provides most of the <laughs> most of the uh, the uh, the quality in the partnership but but Xhaka also does it does things that that party can't do dropping into that kind of left half space in in the defensive phase and stuff so yeah it, it, it I am excited not excited but I do think it's important because partnerships are so important there's things developing all over the pitch rob holding seems to be able to partner whoever he wants um you know Pepe seems to be getting more of an understanding with whoever whichever fullback he's playing with and then we've got the kind of mainstays of you know Smith Rowe and Saka getting getting something Smith-Rowe, and Lacazette getting something Smith Rowe and um you know pretty much everyone the 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 partnerships and the and the link up is developing and i think we see this uh, and also in David Luiz's um post match where he says you know we're, we're becoming a real team as a real team spirit and i'm really encouraged I'm really encouraged.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's you know, one thing that was a shame about party getting so injured early on is he didn't get to build that understanding sooner rather than now. But it is a big, big positive going
0: forward. For sure. For sure. Um, just want to discuss Erdegaard. Um, I mean, he, you know, had seven, what was it? Ten, ten, ten minutes or so. I thought it looked good. He, had, he sort of, it's an very easy thing to say, but it's sort of like Ozil on times one point two five. He has that kind of faint back with his left and then progressive ball, which Özil has. He blocks off passing lanes really well. I think he I was kind of surprised he wasn't involved a bit more, but I suppose, you know, he what when did he come? Last was it announced Wednesday or something? Yeah. He's only had, you know, well, three or four days training maximum. It was when we recorded wasn't it? Because it yeah, literally yeah. was the second like literally yes. just popped up as we started. Yeah, so you know, th- three, four, however many training sessions that is. So, yeah. you know, I, I kind of get it and I imagine he'll be involved a bit more but I also just love that option off the bench. I think it's, it's a really, it strengthens our bench and when Tierney and Saka and, and 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 the like are back and Aubameyang, we do have a bit more of a stronger bench and you know, you, you can look to the bench to bring on Pepe and Martinelli and, you know, potentially uh, Lacazette, depending on who's playing. And, and you know, yeah, I, ju- I just think, obviously, because it's another body, but it does just bring us more options and it does bring us more kind of um, solidity. And I think also it's a, when you're on a good run and a really strong, solid player comes in who is clearly a very talented, you know, I was watching his, um, it's like a behind the scenes video of him doing um, like some work on his first day. He, this guy the stuff he can do with the football, and he was just sort of messing around, like waiting for something to happen. And he was just like flicking the ball up. And okay, maybe he's trying to show off for the cameras or whatever, but he's so technically gifted. I'm very excited about about what he can do um, and what he can bring us moving forward. Yeah,
1: I think it is, it's, it is a wait and see thing. He's had a couple of training sessions and already looks kind of sharp and decent. So hopefully we get a good six months out of him and then we'll
0: see what happens with him in the summer. Who the fuck knows, mate? He is number 11, though, which is disgusting. And I will say this till the day I die. Two podcasts in a row. Two podcasts. It will be every podcast in a row now. Uh, Anything else on the game, brothers? Nah. We'll see you after this. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Well, hey, Camp Jingle remains. Um... So uh, first bit of news, Maitland-Niles has been the subject of a lot of uh, kind of speculation over the last sort of 24 hours, 48 hours. We first heard that West Brom were interested, then potentially a current top four side, which I think might have been West Ham. We're now told that Southampton are interested. We're now told Leicester are interested. Um... A lot of angles to cover on this one. Let's look at the kind of just the Maitland Niles discussion. I mean, where, where where do you sit on him at the moment? It's I'm just bringing up like numbers and stuff if I can.
1: It, it's difficult with Maitland Niles, isn't it? Because one, he's not getting game time, and we don't know why. You know, it could be per, It could be uh, his attitude off the training pitch. It could be a lot of different reasons. My my opinion on him is that we should be giving him, if he's kind of training like well in the sense of there's no attitude problems, we should be giving him a run of games at right back to see if he has the quality to be our starting right back going forward. Because I think, you know, then we'll know in the summer whether we need to sell Bellerin and him to bring in a new right back. Uh, But if he's not going to get game time and isn't proving himself on the training pitch, or if we don't see his future at right back and we don't currently have the space in central midfield to be giving him game time there, uh, get him out on loan or get him out permanently. You know, he's 22. He's got what? Is it 18 months left on his deal? Or is it something like that? Yeah, let me look that yeah, up. Yeah, it's either, it's either 18 months or it's like two and a half years, which would be what? 30, Not 36 months. That's fucking three years, you tosser. Um. <laughs> 30 months left on his deal so it does just become a if, if it's if it's two and a half years left on his deal send him out online for six months and see how he does because that might increase his price and then you can flog him if it's 18 months sell him now
0: yeah he's I'm just looking up uh his his contract give me a second uh, he is he expires uh, contract expires 2023. June 2023. So he at the end of this at the end years. of this season at the end of this season have two years left. So we're not in a crazy position. We should start looking at his future. I'd say loan, which is, yeah. I'm I'm kind of quite simple on this Maitland Niles thing. I think it's I don't see the value in a loan. I don't I don't see Maitland Niles going somewhere. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. I, I, I th- it's to try and increase the price. I do get that. I do get that, but I, I suppose maybe I'll separate it. I don't see the value football-wise in, in Maitland-Arles going out on a loan. The guy's 23. I don't think it will teach us enough because, you know, he's going to go out on loan. We've already played over half the games in the Premier League. If he goes out on loan to, say, a West Brom, he's not going to be playing same style of football, particularly good football. He may be in a midfield, but they they will go down. He's not going to get in Leicester's midfield. He might get in Newcastle's midfield, but that's a relegation relegation scrap this is this is the problem i think Maitland niles he yeah listen he, he 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 may he may go out and go into a midfield and look really great that may happen yeah but my question is where would that happen because if we're looking at south so so who are the options leicester he's not getting in that midfield ever indeedy and um i know indeed he's injured but um He's not getting in there well, over in and, and and Madison or whoever it is um, in, in the centre. Maybe he'll get, you know, some time in cup competitions, but, you know, people are getting knocked out of those. There's there's less less opportunities. If he'd gone out on loan last summer, I'd go, OK, because he's got a whole year to get himself into a team. Southampton, is he getting in there over Romeo and, and Ward-Prowse? Don't know. There's no place where I go, okay, yeah, they absolutely aren't in a relegation scrap. We'll be playing good football. Maitland-Niles will benefit from that. Because I don't think the psychological element of a 23-year-old going in and help... I just don't think there's an option where I'm convinced, oh, yeah, that team in that position with their midfield. No. Maitland-Niles goes in and that's beneficial. Because he goes into the West Brom midfield... But of course, it's not helpful, but it's not particularly beneficial.
1: I don't think it will be for footballing reasons, though. I think if we see him out on loan it's to try and increase his price because realistically, asset wise, if you sell him now versus selling him in the summer, you don't lose anything by sending him out on a six month loan because it's you're going from two and a half years to two years. You've still got quite a strength of contract in there. Um, Whereas it would be different if you're going from 18 months to 12 months so i think if we are going to send him out on loan it, it's to try and increase his value to sell him in the summer rather than yeah. to get him any footballing experience because the only thing that that 6 month loan could do is add monetary value to kind of the asset i don't think it would I, I don't if he performs poorly i think it depreciates a very very small amount versus because of you yeah, know, his home He's still in england international versatile and, yeah. you know i think if he performs poorly he goes from maybe a 25 million pound player to a 22 and a half 20 million pound player if he performs well we either keep him or he goes from a 25 million pound player to a 30 35 million pound player i think the positives outweigh the negatives in a financial sense if we're going to try and sell him so i can understand why we start making this move now if we are looking to move him on <laughs> i
0: do get that i do get that i just with have niles i he's he's at that age He's 23. I think sometimes he's kind of cast in with like the Saka, Nelson Smith Rowe era, and he's not. He's three years older than them. He's been around the first team a very very long time. I have images of Arsene Wenger sending him on in that blue blue Puma kit in midfield, and him doing quite well. (sighs) Not every player. We can't save every player, and there's a. I think for me. From an Arsenal perspective, okay, maybe there's a business... So I I don't see it from a football perspective doing this. And then from a business perspective, okay, maybe I I understand that there's an option that he might increase his value. But if there's offers on the table in a coronavirus market, if there's a £25 million offer from someone, if you have all these clubs interested, they're going to be doing other deals in the summer. They're going to be looking elsewhere. I'm just... I'm not convinced. The, I would if there's the 25 learning...
1: million pound on the table I'd take it. Exactly. Right. This is yeah, what I mean. 100%. So
0: so I think if if someone's offering cash for him now I'm not convinced maybe you get that in the summer. I just don't I guess what I'm saying is I don't know and I think it's a very very difficult one. Maitland-Niles clearly and I think also there's the thing of oh you know let's, let's test him out and let's 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 see what he's like. Listen, if you're 23, you've been in training with your coach for a year. You've been used, I think he has been used in midfield a couple of times by by Arteta. He's clearly not fancied. And that's fine. There's other players. Like, I think I think sometimes we get so caught up. In like, it's like the Balogun thing. In we, These young players have got to work out. No, Alex Awobi, perfectly serviceable player. Absolutely fine. We could have used him this year, especially in the early part in terms of progressing the ball. We could have used him. That would have been great. But ultimately, we got a really good offer for him. I don't think I think it's same similar situation to Aubameyang say we'd loaned out Aubameyang for another year to Everton as opposed to selling him I don't know we what wouldn't that have achieves, got the money and we wouldn't have got that money yeah. so I'm just going okay well I think Maitland-Niles should just go on a permanent and and that's of fine Of course but the issue is is Aubameyang was getting game time at Arsenal
1: at the time you know he was kind of intermittently playing like regular-ish minutes here and there, whereas I don't think Maitland-Niles has been doing that. So to almost garner the interest to get a 20, 25 million pounds, it's almost like we know he's worth 20, 25 million pounds. Everyone else who comes in is going to have to try and pay that, but you have to garner the interest from somewhere. And we're not going to garner that by just not playing him. So sending him out on loan might even just get us that 20 million pound offer because we don't even know if, if selling him is currently on the table, because what would be better sending him out on loan for six months to see if we can get 20, 25 million pound on the summer
0: or taking 10 million pounds now. But say he goes out, agree, but say he goes out now and goes to, let's say Leicester, Barely plays, doesn't make the Euros, as as less time on his deal. I, I think if anything, he's depreciated. So it, I, I don't. It just it's such a difficult one. I, I think if there's an if there's an offer on the table, you sell him now, and if not, you just sell him and you either loan him out. I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's a re- it's a really complicated one. I think I think something will hopefully just appear. And for me, I would rather sell him on a permanent. Keep him for now. Because I don't, as I say, I don't think a loan does much football-wise, and we need him. One if there's injury, an offer on the table, one, one injury to Tene, one injury to Cedric, one injury to Bellerin. we need him. So, yeah. unless we're unless we if we sign a backup left back, fine. Send him out a loan. I don't think it makes much of a difference. But I think at the moment we do need him, and uh, he's just a useful player until to sort of see us through until the summer. Speaking about loans, uh, there's also been some discussions around. Um, I was signing Patrick Van Arnholt. There's, there's a a a piece in the mirror. Um, I don't particularly trust the mirror. on Patrick Van Arnholt. Um, and so I'm just reading. <laughs> Twitter's such like a... You just see it and you're like, fucking hell. Um, there's been a piece uh, in the mirror from, I think it might be John Cross, uh, saying that we might be looking at Patrick Van Arnholt on loan. Um, I'm not crazy about that I don't mind it as an option to cover but then I'm going well why don't we just use Maitland-Niles as our cover as opposed to paying another player I don't know it just it feels a bit pointless to me I don't, like, as in I'm not saying I don't think Patrick van Arnholt does so much for us compared to Maitland-Niles in that left hand side he may come in and not do very well so who knows it's tough isn't it it's really really tough um, because you're
1: looking at a player who is a a club playing a very different brand of football. He's not exactly been somebody who's been setting the world alight. You know, I'd be it's a different conversation if we're talking about Bertrand, I think, because you know, Bertrand has been playing for Southampton under a manager that has garnered a lot of respect because of a style of play, because of a philosophy and all of these things. So it is really tough because it then becomes this, well, do we, don't we? If I had the choice between the two, I'd probably go for Bertrand because I think, while I think Roy Hodgson is a, an okay manager, Bertrand will be used to doing the kind of things that we are asking, like the pre- pressing wise. And whilst I think that Van Aanholt, if you were to take the two players and take coaching out of the situation, I personally think that Van Aanholt is probably a better player. Just kind of side by side. If you look at kind of, if you compare met the metrics of, you know, quickness, crossing ability, defensive awareness, maybe Bertrand beats him. But I would probably, if you're talking about who is a better player, maybe take Van Arnholt. But it, it does also negate the massive meta conversation of.
0: Yeah, and Bertrand comes in and does a job in our system right now. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, yeah,
0: it, uh, yeah it's it's interesting one. I think it does depend on what happens with Maitland-Niles. I, I, I will see what happens with it, but I think it seems a strange thing to bring in and pay some another person's wages. Especially, it's we. I don't think, I don't, For example, I don't think we keep Maitland-Niles and sign a backup left back. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that eventuality yeah. happening. But I think if Maitland-Niles goes, yeah, I wouldn't mind a Ryan Bertrand or a Van Niel as long as it's clear that it's till the end of the season. Because in the summer, signing a young left back, uh, there's a guy at Hearts or something who people are looking at. Uh, he's like an eighteen-year-old who, um, in the Scot- in the Scottish league, we've signed Scottish left backs before and they've worked out very well. Yeah. So wouldn't mind that. But listen, the yeah, I, I think that's another position. It's one of those kind of fifth or sixth on the agenda. If we can cover it with Maitland Niles. Great if he's going out, then yeah, I wouldn't mind a Van Arnholt or a or a Bertrand, it wouldn't really bother me either way, because I know T will be top dog, so um it's you know if they're happy to come in then then that's cool. Just want to finish up um with uh, Willock and Nelson. It's clear they've been made available for a loan. I think uh, Newcastle are interested in uh, in Joe Willock, which would be a really good fit for Newcastle actually. I watch quite a lot of them because my my housemate's a Newcastle fan and they have a massive kind of shout gap shout out Danny mid-
1: shout, out, shout out shout out Danny, Danny boy. Address.
0: Um, uh, they have a massive gap. Oh, do you know what I miss when- <laughs> Danny? Is he all right? <laughs> he's a good lad. Yeah, he's good. Man. Yeah, he's, good. he's
1: just like it like this positive ray of fucking solid sunshine in he solid, solid lad. Oh.
0: um, but they they have I think they have kind of like not to turn this into the Newcastle podcast, but they have kind of John Joe Shelby and. I think it might be I don't know fucking Hendrick, or whoever it is in their midfield, but they have such a gap. There's just no con- connectivity between uh, Wilson and 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 the kind of the midfield. So I think he'd be a really good fit there. Hmm. But um, yeah, I think this is last chance saloon for both Willock and Nelson if they go out on loan and they're not hitting the heights. Or I'm very very keen for them to head off in the summer. Because they're both getting to that age. Nelson's turning 21 soon. Will as much as I really believe that 21. Nelson is going to go somewhere else and fucking smash
1: it, if he does, I want him on loan to a club that... I, do you know what? I would love for him to go on loan to Southampton, but I just don't know whether he gets minutes. That's the issue, because I think going on loan to a Southampton would be great for somebody like Nelson. Working under Um. I don't, who are their wide players? They've got Redmond and...
0: Redmond, Walcott, um, Yeah, Armstrong. I just don't know. I, I, I don't know whether
1: they need him because I think, you know, Walcott's had... Even though I I think that Walcott would probably be a better... Uh, wouldn't be as good a player as as Nelson if they'd had the same amount of coaching. Walcott's had six months of the coaching. So I just want... To, uh, to be fair, I'd love um, Nelson to go to Southam- uh, not Southampton... Southampton... Who am I thinking of? Fucking Norwich. I'd love him to go to Norwich, play in an in the championship, in and amongst that system. You know they're leading the pack, playing decent football in the championship.
0: But then Emi Bunda is on that right hand side for Norwich, so yeah, yeah mate. It's it's so it's so hard. get I th- him on loan. If it works, it yeah. works, and if it doesn't, cut our losses. This is the thing, mate. And and I think somewhere like Norwich will be maybe not to upset like a a, a, mid, a, a a team that's clearly working. But I think with a lot of these players, I think with Nelson, with Willock, with Maitland-Niles, I just with within Katia, I'd put those all in this category. They're kind of on their last legs of going, Ooh. okay, well you're not you're not 18, you're not 17 anymore. There was a clip that came up from um Nelson when he was 17 playing under Wenger in the Europa League in like Wenger's last season I think it was. He's not really pushed on. From, and they're praising him and going how great he was. He's kind of not really pressed on from there. You know that kind of exciting young player with no fear, just comes on, just fucking does whatever they want to do. I think Nelson mm. has been a bit jaded by... I, I just think they're they're at that stage where we have to... There's a phrase that I'm thinking of, which is kill your darlings. Yeah, We have to, at some point, go... The young players, at some point... We can't we can't excuse them anymore. Mm. If we if we had signed if we had signed an eighteen year old who had not come through our academy and at twenty two twenty three they're still not doing anything we'd 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 all, we'd all be going get rid of them. If they if they're the the output of you know if if we if we had if we signed Nketiah at nineteen from say Southampton and Inketia was still putting the same output as he does a year later, two years later, hadn't forced his way into the team, all those sorts of things, there will be a lot more questions. There'll be a lot more, well, I think Nketiah should go. But because they come through our academy, I do get it. But we have to be ruthless. We Mm. have to be ruthless. You know, someone like Danny Ceballos, if he'd come through our system uh, instead of a Real Madrid system, we'd be going, oh my God, this guy's a baller. and Yeah, he's he's got deficiencies. Real Madrid just go, no, see you later. You're not good enough. Cutthroat. We need to be more more cutthroat. And we're left with Danny Sapayos. So, yeah, I just yeah. think it's. Willick, I think, is an easier conversation. Willock, I think, is an
1: e- easier conversation because I think it's now glaringly obvious because of the amount of minutes that he's had playing for us that he is not of the requisite quality and that alone it'd be good for him to either increase his value or to hopefully teach him something that makes him of the requisite quality. But Nelson is the tougher pill to swallow. But I think it because of how stacked we are in the wings. It is now a situation of get him out on loan and one of two things will happen. He'll smash it and we'll go, sick, great, let's get William and Pepe off the books and get as much money for them as we can now. And then we'll go with this Hayland-esque, getting just all these young English players in. Uh, But if, or, you know, he'll do okay, it'll increase the value and we sell him. Or he does poorly and we sell him. You know, I just think it is time for that type of move.
0: Yes, for sure. I think as I say, I just think they're on their kind of last last moments for me. Which is a shame. And and I feel bad saying it, but it's it's mm. like, well, we have to be cutthroat and we What do you do? The, what do you and do? And the reason like... we're in this position is because we haven't. We've let we've let players hang around too long. We've let players yeah. we, we've re, redone contracts Fester and yep. we've redone contracts for players who didn't deserve it. All sorts of stuff. So yeah. Um tough, but I think it's I think it's the right thing to do. Okay. Any other business, brothers? Nah, mate.
1: Nah, I'm 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 all Gucci, my friend.
0: I'm all Gucci. Any plans for the rest of the day? Um me and my girlfriend are gonna go on a walk. Um Probably that's it. Oh like, lockdown is just so fun. Yeah, maybe play a bit of FIFA. I am calling my sister and going for a walk. Love it. Love it, my friend. Great times. <laughs> Such exciting. These are our 20s, Brad. I entered lockdown
1: at 23 and I'm waiting to turn 25. And at the moment, if we come out of lockdown when it's suspected, I will be two months away from being 25.
0: <laughs> there's some There's some people I've seen. i um, <laughs> seen some videos of people being like, the lockdown the the rumors of covid started when i was like 16 and i'm turning 8 i'm turning either 19 or 20 this year or something it's like fucking hell. yeah oh fuck me oh fuck me mate all right uh absolute pleasure as right, always mate. and thank you so as much always. for listening to us ramble on about the old footy it's a pleasure uh brothers i will see you after the Wolverhampton game on come Tuesday. on the last that's a quick turnaround isn't it Tuesday. yeah Yeah, of course Uh, Tuesday yeah yeah, looking forward to it All right, mate see you soon sick alright mate have a good one bye bye thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the show you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com find us on Twitter at diffknock and visit our website thedifferentknock.com thanks